guys. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. We're really glad you decided to spend some time with us here at Church in the Valley today. Um, my name is Jeep Underwood, and we're gonna we're gonna be continuing a series that we started last week called "The Reason for Me." And uh, last week, one of the, one of the things that we looked at was was this just this promise that you see through Scripture is that if we see God, we'll find Him. He really will let us find him. In fact, God said, if you will search for me, you'll search for me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. It's really a promise that just really hangs out there with us and God. It's really interesting that when you look at uh, current research, that uh, about 50% of Americans uh, believe in believe in God. They believe in God as he's represented in the Bible. In fact, if you look on the screen, uh, there's a graphic from that research in 2017 and it just it shows that you know Americans really acknowledge that there's a real spiritual component to life, and about eighty percent of those surveyed said they believed in God in some some way or another, and then even nine percent of the folks who said they didn't believe in God they still believed that there was some kind of higher power or or some kind of uh, you know like another spiritual force that was going operating in the world. There's uh, it really shows that it's really difficult for people to deny the spiritual dimension to life that there really is one. And that, you know, without a spiritual dimension to life, really life really becomes kind of mechanical. And there's something in us that just, we, we know that there's more to it than that. And so that's something that just resonates through our, through all of us. So last week, one, last week, one of the things we looked at also was just why we exist. We looked at one of the reasons we exist is because God really wanted us. He really wanted you and he really wanted me. And that's why we're here on the planet, is because he really wanted us. He wanted one of us. And, uh, and we also, we saw that he, we exist really to seek God and to find him. That's one thing we do is we, we really, we exist to really seek him and find him. And, and when we find him, we find that purpose and meaning in life, uh, that, that really begins to really flow through our lives. It's that purpose and meaning in life that we've really been looking for. And that drive for purpose and meaning that's in all of us, it's just very prevalent in, in just the way we just operate and the way we operate in our lives. There's, there's a new TV series that came out in this last fall, which actually I haven't seen. I've only heard about it and I've watched a couple of clips of it. But it was, it's called God Friended Me. I don't know if any of you guys have seen this. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you look at this picture, you know, that finger that's pointing down towards the lead character, uh, it's really from Michelangelo's painting, uh, called the creation of Adam. It's on the Sistine Chapel ceiling at the Vatican. But in this show, uh, the main character is named Miles, and he's an atheist, and God friends him on social media and just begins to really kind of, kind of just point at his life and just really start wanting to be a part of his life. So I'd like, let's watch, I want to watch the, just the trailer for this show. I thought I had it all figured out, but then... I got a friend request from God. <laughs> what? You're being catfished by God. Hey, John Doe! Somebody something good! Are you okay? I think you just saved my life. I don't know who's behind this. Thank you. Or why they chose me. But let me get to the bottom of this. Now, this is not meant to be an advertisement for this show. Uh, 
In fact, I, I actually, watching that clip, I thought, I'm going to want to watch this show and see what it's about, see how it goes. But in the show, it has a really fun premise. You know, God friends the main character on uh, Facebook, it looks like, and then he sends him on missions to really help people. And, you know, it is just a TV show, and for all I know, very likely it goes in some strange direction, so I'm definitely not endorsing the show because it's sight unseen for me. But it sort of parallels, this idea sort of parallels really the purpose and meaning that God brings to our lives when we really walk with him. And that life life really does, what God really intends is that life would really be an adventure. As we live with him and we enter our days, that he's like laid out for us. Now, none of us are really expecting, I think, God to friend us on Facebook. Um, it would be pretty cool if that happened. But, uh, but one thing that Michelangelo was trying to communicate in his painting, I think is something that really resonates with all of us. And that is that there needs to, that they really, we really want a real relational connection with God. The, 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 the person who really created us, who wanted us, we really want a personal relational connection with him. So, so, uh, last week, another thing that we also looked at, we looked at this, how this purpose and this meaning in our lives, it's really tied up in keeping the two commandments, the two greatest commandments that Jesus uh, shared in uh, Matthew 22. Essentially, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two commandments, everything else hangs. The two greatest commandments. And also, we looked at, we looked at kind of a cycle the cycle that this that you see this uh, this commandment creating in our lives as we begin to really pursue God is that we become more and more convinced of God's love for us and His care for us, and what it does is it creates in us a response to Him where we really love Him. And as we go around the circle, then out of the overflow of that response of love towards Him, it overflows into the lives of other people, and we begin to love other people as well. And as as we walk with God, the picture of walking with God, as we do that, we find ourselves more and more closer to God and closer to other people around us. And so Jesus, he, he paired those together. He said the second commandment is like the first, love God, love others. And they're really, they're, they're really inseparable from each other. But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at that truth and we're going to look at it from a couple of vantage points. We're going to, this week we're going to look at how do I love God and next week we're going to focus more on like how do I love my neighbor or how do I love others. So today we're going to be focused on how do I love God? You know, our life, our life is really, is really found in loving God. In fact, Moses really summed this up in Deuteronomy 30. If you guys take a look at the screen. In Deuteronomy 30, he says, he's talking to the Israel, to the nation of Israel, and he's at the end of his life. And he says, so choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him, for this is your life and the length of your days. You know, this, our life is really found in when we come to the point where we really love God and we obey his voice and we hold fast to him. It's really a picture of a, of the relationship that God really wants with us where we're really hanging on to him. We're listening to the things he has to say. We're putting those things into practice and it's in an atmosphere of just a loving relationship that we want with him. But to have this close relationship, you really have to know who he really is. You have to get to know God before you can really relate to him like this. And so that's a, that's really a journey as we begin to really get to know God. And I think, I think most of us really have a desire to have a connection with God. But the question is, how do you get to know a God? How do you get to know and love a God you can't see? 
How do you get to know and love a God you can't see? The short answer is he has to reveal himself to us. We couldn't get to know him unless he just revealed himself to us. And that's really, that's really what the scriptures do is it, is God has chronicled over time just a real picture through folks that he had write the scriptures, really a picture of what he's like and what he, and what he's doing in the world. And what the scriptures show us is that one of the ways that God really, God really shows us what he's like is creation. So just creation is one of those things that, that God really use. Uses it. So David said in Psalm 19, he said, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech and night after night, they display knowledge. You know, the heavens, the heavens are just truly majestic. In fact, if you look on the screen, I'd like to just show an image, uh, of our universe. It's, uh, probably a little more, it'd be a little more exciting if the lights were down. Kind of like if you're, like when you're in LA. Hey, there you go. Speak. Well, there you go. Let me step aside. That is pretty wild. All right. You guys can turn the lights back up. I want to be able to find my way around up here. Uh, thanks. I might, and if I had a sandwich, if I, oh no, no, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I didn't mean that. But hey, no, okay. You know, I've, I've never had the experience where I wish something and it just happened immediately. That's pretty fun. But, you know, there, there's something about the heavens that are just truly majestic. And uh, when you gaze up at the stars on a clear night and you're not in Los Angeles, um, if you go out of the side of the city where it gets dark and you gaze up at the stars, there's just a sense of awe. You know, I grew up in Northern California in the high Sierras. And I remember my sister and I in the summer... Once in a while, we would throw a mattress in the back of my dad's truck, and we'd just sleep outside. And we, I remember just laying there. She and I had great conversations, and we just laid there, and we just looked up at the stars and just the depth of the stars. And it was just, it, it truly was just awesome to to look at that. And that is really one of the ways that God really makes himself known to us. And in, in Isaiah chapter 40, there's actually a few things where Isaiah kind of paints some picture of of how big and powerful God is, trying to give us a picture of that. One is he says, you know, the, he says compared to God, the nations are like the dust on a pair of scales that you use to weigh things that you don't bother blowing off because it doesn't really affect the measurement anyway. He says, you know, compared to God, nations, with us we think nations and we think, wow. But to God he's like, yes, they're, they're actually, they're not much. And so from also God's perspective, he says, he uses another picture. He says that God holds the waters of the world in the palm of his hand, in the hollow of his hand. And that's just, just a, trying to give us a picture, paint a picture of just how big God is and how powerful he is. And then he says he measured off the universe with a span. Now, a span, the unit measure they used was about nine inches or so. So he was essentially saying, you know, when God looks at the universe, we look at the universe and we go, wow. He looks at the universe and he goes, there, there it is. You know, and, he, and he's taking care of it. And he's managing it. It's just, it's just a whole different perspective he has on the universe because of where he's at. And I remember several years ago, I was in a small group of folks. We were talking about some of this, and the question that kind of came out of this was like, why did? Do you ever wonder why God created the universe the way He did? You know, why? Why didn't He just create Earth? And you know, had me have some few things revolving around Earth that, that we needed. Uh, cause that'd have been pretty incredible. 
It would be pretty incredible to create a planet that we could live on. But why did he create this expanse that's in front of us? And in Isaiah, I think some of the answer to that is in Isaiah 40, 25 to 26. God starts with God asking a question. And he says, to whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number, he calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. I think, <clears throat> I think it's very likely that God created the universe the way he did so that he could say this. I think there, you know, what would you compare God to? You know, it's like, uh, I've heard people say, you know, you know, give, you know, define the universe and give two examples. It's kind of a funny, funny thing to do because there's only one universe, but, but with, with God, it's like, you know, what would you compare me to? And he give us, he give us this canvas and we look at that and we can see just how incredible God is. And just, he has the power and the might to create that and make that happen. It's kind of a, a crazy idea to think that he may have made the universe the way he did to really make a point. That's just an incredible amount of power and, and authority that he has. Now, my, my, my wife and I, uh, we love Lake Tahoe. In fact, if you guys, there's this, I think there's a uh, picture up here. You guys can pull that up. You know, this, just a picture of, this is along a hike that we love to take, uh, uh, called the Rubicon Trail, I think it's called, but just walks around the side of the lake. It's just a, Lake Tahoe is one of our places. It's just the, just nature. It's just so beautiful there. Several, many years ago now, uh, probably, I think it was our second wedding anniversary, we got an opportunity. We got an opportunity to go to Lake Tahoe and stay in my aunt and uncle's, I mean, sorry, my, my wife's aunt and uncle's. My wife, my aunt and uncles don't have cabins like this, but, uh, my wife's aunt and uncle's cabin, and it's like about 300 feet from the lake. And it's just, it's just a beautiful cabin. The layout is so cool. You know, you go, there's like a loft, there's, it's like everything you're, you're like, I wish we had this. Oh, it's here. You know, it's, it's in the back, you know. It's just this amazing place. And we got to stay there for free. So, you know, amazing and free are my two favorite things. So, so we got to stay there for free. And, you know, my wife and I, Kate, Kate and I, we just, we love nature and, and so we, you know, we're just kind of taking it in. And one morning, one morning I was, uh, just, just spending some time reading and I just had this thought. I was thinking, I was thinking about people who, who tend to worship nature and kind of elevate nature as like, you know, the main thing that they really worship. And I was, and the thought, the thought came to my mind was I thought of the cabin we were in. And I thought how strange it would be if I stood up and I walked around and I said, thank you, cabin, for being who you are. And thank you for the layout. Thank you for the way the, the kitchen works, the way the loft. I, I just love the way the stairs, the way they kind of wind around. Thank you, cabin, for being you. I'm like, that would be the dumbest, that would be the strangest, silliest thing a guy could do. But really, when you, when you, when you go into nature and you just worship nature for nature itself, that's really, that's really what you're doing. And, and, I, and so this is just landing on me that, that really, um, creation just real, it does reveal a lot of God's creative ability and who He really is. And, uh, you know, that, that cabin really glorified someone. It really made someone look really good. And that was the architect. The architect that dreamt all that up, the person who really put that together, it made them look really good. In fact, if I could meet them, I'd like to thank them. 
And so that's, that's one way that God really reveals himself to us is just, is through his creation so that we just kind of get a picture of, of him. But, but really the most complete way, the most complete way that God reveals himself to us is just through his son, Jesus. The most, the most complete way that God reveals himself is through his son, Jesus. Jesus was, he was God in the flesh. He was, he was God who stepped into human history and really became relatable. And got to the place where we could really get to know him. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers, to the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. And then he goes on. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus is the exact representation of God. He's exactly what God is like. In fact, uh, on the night before Jesus was crucified, he was talking with his disciples and his disciple Philip said, hey, show us the Father, and that'd be enough. And he goes, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, this, is, this is a major part of what Jesus was trying to communicate to us when he was here, is that he was God and that he was a real picture of what God's like. And we can really get to know God by getting to know him. And the, the great thing is we have this event. We have this event recorded in history. Uh, there's four accounts of Jesus' life. And we can actually go back and we can actually get to know Jesus through those accounts that were written down. And that, you know, he was a guy, he, he actually, he walked and he talked with real people on earth. He walked and talked with people and related to them. And, you know, they, they witnessed his miracles. They, they heard his teaching firsthand. They experienced his love of them. He, he would, he would sacrifice for them. He, they, he saw, they saw him love other people and they began to get a picture of really what love looked like as he loved them as he loved other people. And then they saw his resurrection up close and personal and began to really impact, really impacted their lives. And they began to really get to know him for who he really is. So how did they begin to get to know him? How did they begin to get to know him? I want to look at that just a little bit this morning. Uh, you know, when you look up at the stars, you can really feel like God is really inaccessible. You look up at the stars and you can feel very, in fact, you do feel very, very small. And you, it's easy to get this idea or have this feeling that God is just too busy running the universe that he could really be personally caring for you and personally interested in you. But Jesus, he showed us that the, actual, the opposite of that is true. He showed us that God cares very much about relating to us on a personal level while still being able to create the universe and really managing it and making it go. And so I want to walk through this morning just like an example, like how Jesus' relationship with his earliest disciples kind of played out. How, how it got started. And so, uh, John, he, John wrote about this in the first chapter of his book. And so I want to kind of just walk through, uh, John 135 through, through 42. It says, the next day, John, and this is John the Baptist, it says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him and saw, heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So they've been following John. He goes, hey, here's, here's the guy. 
and they turn and they start following him. And then they mean literally, they started to walk after, started following him. And so Jesus turned around and he goes, what do you want? And that's a really good question. I mean, I think that's a really good question. If, if someone were to start following me around, I'd probably ask them the same thing. But Jesus, you know, he turns around and he goes, what do you want? And they said, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? You know, not a real deep theological question, but just, you know, they're just, they just, this is someone they'd like to get to connect with. And they said, where are you staying? And then, then it goes on and Jesus said, come, he replied, and you will see. He just invites them in. He just says, you know, just come with me and you'll see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and he, and they spent that day with him. And it was about the 10th hour. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. You know, people get to know Jesus the same way we get to know people today. That's how they got to know him, is they just spent time with him. They hung around him, and they spent time with him. In fact, as you, if you keep reading in this, in this chapter, you'll see he meets Philip, he meets Nathaniel. And uh, it's just the way it, 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 evolved in a, it revolved in a real relational way, as people, he invited people in to spend time with him. And so people, his disciples, they spent time with him. They had conversations with him. They worked together with him on different projects and different things that he was doing. Uh, and then they, they really saw how, how he handled situations, and they really just got to know him by just doing life with him. Now, I, I remember, and that, that, really is, that really is the way you get to know someone is by spending time with them. I remember when Kate and I were dating before we got married, and... Uh, you know, there was a time when I hoped Kate liked me. And then there was a time after I found out she liked me. But there was a zone there in the middle where it was really unclear. So, you know, but one thing, and when I began, I began to see a, more and more of a hope for myself that I think Kate might actually like me a little bit. It was right around Christmas time, and she gave me a Christmas card. And she wrote in something or something nice, meaningful, and uh, fairly short. And I remember... <laughs> There's no problem with that, but it was, it was, it wasn't like a book. And so I opened that thing up and I'm, I'm reading it and I, and I'm just, I'm thinking, I think she's starting to like me. And as I read, as I start reading the words, I read them very intently and I read them often. And embarrassing to say, I probably read it at least 20 times is I would, I would read that and I would read, you know, you know, Hope you have a great Christmas. Oh, what did she mean by that? You know, it's just, it's like, hope, hope is a strong word. Hope. I have hope. And, uh, and she would, she said several, you know, she said several other things. Kate's just a very kind person. And I remember just reading that and because I thought she might like me, man, it just had a whole different, if someone said, Hey, here's something my girlfriend wrote me, I'd be like, Oh, that's interesting. But you know, that was, this was to me. And that, that, that was, that was huge. And then as we began to start dating, and, uh, by the way, I was correct. She did actually start liking me. Um, but she can question her judgment, but we can talk about that another time. But then as we, uh, as we started dating, um, I lived in Culver City at the time, and she lived in Monterey Park. And I really didn't go over many places that year, but I put 30,000 miles on my car. I remember just at the end of the year going, I put 30,000 miles on my car. Oh my gosh. But I, I, you know, I worked, I worked full time downtown Los Angeles and I also, uh, 
I helped out at USC Christian Challenge on uh, at USC. But just mostly in the L.A. area, with maybe a very few exceptions, that's where I drove. And I just drove a lot of miles because I was buying up every opportunity that I could within what I was doing, what I was about, to spend time with Kate. Just buying up those opportunities to spend time with her. And we, we had many conversations. We, we did, we, we created a lot of memories with each other. We, we just spent time with each other and we got to know each other. And, uh, and that led up to, uh, us actually getting married. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's really, that's really the way that you get to know one another. And it actually, it's a very clear, good picture of like what it's like to get to know God is that you really, you realize that you really are, you care about one another. And, and uh, the things that he's sharing with you from his word are things that are actually meant just for you. And so, you know, spending time with each other conversationally is just a, it's a, it's a big part of getting to know God. The way, the way that we spend time with God today is really, it's really tied up in, it, it is really tied up in a conversational way with prayer and with reading the scriptures. It's just spending time with him. And conversing with him and you're, you're praying with him, uh, things like, um, that he would just show himself to you, that you, he would just kind of blow away the fog and help him to see you, that your concerns, maybe the things you're facing, uh, maybe like what it is he would like you to do, like what is it, what is it he wants you to do that day or in this situation, how to handle the situation. Or it might be like, you know, how do you want me to, what do you want me to do for someone else today? God, what is it you want me to do? Kind of like, kind of like Miles, uh, in that clip, you know, it's, it isn't just this name, but, but actually God actually just sharing with you like what he would want you to do that day. And then spending time in the scriptures and listening for him to really answer some of those questions and really taking in his word and really, and really processing it so that you just listen to see if he's actually going to give you something that really gives you some clarity for that day. And then to really put into practice. Put into practice those things, that advice and the, the things that he's sharing with you is to put those things into practice and to really, uh, and really, and really see that the way God constructs his word, the way he, what he reveals in his word is really the way life really works. And that's really what walking with God looks like. And when you spend time with God like that over time, then you get to know him a lot more. You're on this journey of knowing him more and more. And you begin to realize just how much he really understands you completely and how much he really cares about you. And when you get to know God more and you begin to be convinced of those things, it really does, a love for him begins to really grow in your heart. And you, you begin to really love him back. Now, when your love for God really grows, you begin to really want to please him with your life. And really, you really want to do the things that he has for you to do. I want us, I want us to watch a clip, uh, today from a movie called Les Mis. Now this, this is not the singing version. This is the Liam Neeson version. And it's not the one where he has a certain set of skills. It's, uh, this is, this is, uh, this is just, uh, Les Mis. But it's a, it's a great, it's a great story written by Victor Hugo, uh, many, many years ago. But I'd like you to watch this clip. This clip is, when uh, the main character, Jean Valjean, he had spent like 19 years in prison. And his crime was that he had stolen some bread because he was hungry. And he spent 19 years in prison, and he wasn't just let out. He was just paroled. And so everywhere he went, he had to show him a piece of paper and say, I'm a parolee. And people were really shunning him. 
And so I just want you to, he, so, so then he, he actually comes up to this one house and they invite him in. It's a priest he invites him in and they feed him. They take care of him. And in the middle of the night, he gives into a temptation to just to steal from this guy and to steal the silver silverware so that he could have something to live on. So he gives into this temptation to steal again. And so I want you to watch this clip and then we'll we'll come back. Is anybody there? I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed (laughs) that you gave it to him. Yes? Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go. Didn't you understand the bishop? Madam, you know, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. It's always hard to watch a clip because you want to watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> you know, that's a, this is a fictional story, but it really captures the impact of grace in our lives. It really captures that impact. You know, that, that was a, a defining moment in Jean Valjean's life. After that, he was never the same. Um, he, was, he was so struck, he was struck by the grace that he was shown that he changed over time. He changed. And the story, the story is just one of 
Jean Valjean extending grace over and over and over again to the people around his life. That's, he, it became part of who he was. And then even to his greatest enemy, he, 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 they became part of his, like his knee-jerk reaction to life was that he, he just uh, looked out for the interest of other people and really showed grace to them. <clears throat> you know, as we spend time, as we spend time with God, growing in our knowledge of Him, His grace towards us, His kindness towards us, His care of us, His love towards us, it, uh, it brings us to a defining moment. Over time, it, it becomes, it brings us to a defining moment when our hearts really respond back to Him in love. And, and Jesus really told us, He told us really what this looked like. And so I want, I'd like to look at something Jesus said in John 14, 21. He said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he is, the, he it is, is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. What he, he, what he doesn't say is obey me and prove that you love me. He says, if you love me, this is what it looks like. If you love me, then you, you, you obey what I say. You obey what I, you obey my commands. And then the question is like, what, what does he command? It's interesting. If you look at John 13 through 17, those chapters, uh, it's, it's all the night, it's all that one night before Jesus was, uh, crucified. And in that time, he only, he only gave one commandment. And in that time, but he gave it three times. And that commandment was just that we love one another. That we love one another. And it sounds a lot like one of the commandments we talked about last week. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we know that love one another encompasses all the other commands of Scripture. Is that Jesus said, love one another. That's what his commandment is. And then, then uh, there's a there's two of those places he commanded that was right after John 14. One was right before. And if you look at John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus said this. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. He added something to it in a couple of the places. And he said, even as I have loved you. He gives a picture of like what it, what it looked like is we love other people the way he's loved us. And so that grace and the kindness and the care that he gives to us is really what he wants to give them. And then the next day and then over the next few days, they actually saw Jesus uh, die on the cross for them to sacrifice his life for them and then rise again and really show just how powerful he really is. Relational and powerful. And so that... That is, it's, it creates really, a, when we begin to get more of a handle on that, it really does create a, a defining moment in our lives. Uh, and that defining moment that really shows that we're growing more and more in love for God is when we begin to love one another. That's really, that's, that's really the, the defining moment in our lives. When we know that we, we begin to grow in our love for God is when we begin to look at and really love one another. And we come back to that cycle where just knowing God and His love for us, it really it really impacts us, and we respond in love to Him, and it causes us really to reach out to other people and really love them. And one thing John says in John 14, he says that Jesus said He will disclose Himself more and more to us. And so there's this there's this uh, this cycle, this place of living where you're continually getting to know God more, and then you're really reaching out, you're connecting with other people. 
And it's really then you're learning and you're really getting to know God more. It really does. It brings your life and His life really together where you really do have, you have the life you've always wanted. You start having the adventure that God really intends for you to have. So as I close this morning, I just want to ask a question and that, a few questions. That is, what would love look like right now with your wife? What would love look like right now with your husband? What would love look like right now with your kids? What, what would love look like right now with your mom or with your dad or with your friend? Or what, what would love look like with your coworkers or with your boss? We're going we're gonna to be looking more and more at that over the next few weeks. But those are questions like what are some ways that we can really respond and really look for ways we can really love people? that are around us. And so this week, I just encourage each one of us to really spend time with God relationally and just seeking to know Him as really the priority of our lives. And so I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and uh, and go ahead and come back up. And as they do, uh, I'm going to go through just a few next steps. And uh, if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, now's a great time to go ahead and finish that out and, and throw it in the bucket when it goes by. But, you know, maybe for you a next step is just to set aside some time to pray and read the Bible. Maybe just pick a target. Like, you know, this week, I'm going to, I'm going to do that three times. I'm going to do that three times. You pick the days you're going to do it. Uh, depending on where you're at, just pick the goal that you feel like, you know, I, I really want to get to know God. I'm going to pick a target this week and that's what I'm going to do. And maybe for you, maybe just obeying God next by by loving someone in your life, finding a specific way to really love someone in your life. And then maybe just memorizing John fourteen twenty one and really just meditating on that. So let me pray for us and we'll get back to service. Dear God, Father, I'm just, uh, just very grateful to you for your love for us and your love for me. And God, I just pray that you would uh, really draw us more and more to you and really reveal yourself to us as we spend time with you in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.